<laughs> what it is, what's up? You got your Auburn podcast in the cut. This isn't an Auburn podcast. This is a general podcast. But it also speaks about Auburn. The Telesis, a societal podcast. Um, and socially speaking, it's been a good day for Auburn. Specifically Auburn basketball. Um, it, it It's one of those days where we're going to remember... Some huge subtractions. Well, I, let's not say huge, but some big fan favorite subtractions. We're going to celebrate Bruce Pearls' birthday, and we're going to also the the day that I'm I'm referencing just ended eleven minutes ago. But ignore that. Um, and we're going to celebrate. I think a really impactful commitment. You know, it still remains to be seen how impactful, but you know, I I think it's one of those things where you kind of let. Time shine on on um on the mathematics of what occurred today in terms of departures and arrivals, and I think we will be in the positive. So I'm going to, I guess, um, how should I say, enunciate on that by looking at the optics, and I am someone who also, I think, it is emotionally tied to a couple of these characters, um. That that left, not like like my son or something like that, but just you know I, I liked him. Um, and then I'm going to try to remove the emotions and speak to more of the reality of what occurs today. And yeah, so after the break, uh, stay tuned. For some ungodly reason, I don't understand why I don't use my laptop in its microphone nor the microphone I have. Instead, she was to hold my hand or she was to hold my phone in my hand for minutes and minutes on end. But goodness gracious, this sucks. Um, so optics, let's speak to that. So I think optics and and fan fervor um, was at a very high level after losing what many consider the second best player, if not the third best player, um, on the Auburn team and the overall build of the season last year. Um, Justin Powell, um, things came out more and more about some of the things that may went into him leaving. But I also um, don't think the whole truth ever came out or ever will, just because it would take, like, not a lot of recruits, um, unfortunately, for whatever reason, not a lot of recruits, even after the fact, like to shine a light on exactly what happened to them during their time um, in college and how, you know, the lottery, the games were played to get their services. Um, and maybe that's fair. I mean, they're paid a good amount. I'm sure some of them are probably signed to NDAs, maybe the better teams, bigger programs do that. Um, but the point being is that I think there's it's a certain way that things happen and this isn't a power podcast. So I won't go too deep into that, but I think it's very self-evident that there were at least some people that got in his ear during the time he was depressed and um, pretty much comatose in terms of being able to move out of his, no pun intended, bubble in his uh, room in uh, South Don. Shout out to South Don. Um, and I, I think that that had a, a big uh, impact. And I think that if people were able to look to that reality that at least one team, I don't know, I'm not naming any names, but at least one team tampered for a service at some point and that a lot of the 
pretty much all the factors that led to this guy leaving were things that Armin couldn't control. Now, there's a rumor that uh, there's a disconnect in how they wanted to have Powell's treatment handled versus how Armin basketball treated him. I don't know. Um, could Armin have brushed him back? Maybe. But, like, I don't know why they would have tried to do that if they have gone on. Like, I mean, I know, I know that Bruce, as any elite college head coach, will say something to the camera and lie, you know, maybe to the athlete or maybe to athlete's parents. No, I don't think a lot of um, armed people like follow just sports in general, but or specifically college basketball, like basketball in general, more so than just sports. Um, a lot, a lot of college basketball is about lying. Um, even I would say more so than football because football you have more scholarships. You can feasibly say, okay, we're gonna bring somebody better than you in and still give you snaps. Unless like offensive line or something like that, where you're kind of stuck. But other than that, I mean. You can kind of work with being demoted, quote unquote, in, in um, football. But in basketball, you really have to lie to get someone to stay committed when other people are coming in, when you want to play other people, when you deem that this guy isn't performing what he needs to, even though I promised him this job, yada, yada. I'm not saying I that connects to necessarily this guy. I think it would connect more to the next transfer I would be mentioning. But I just think that Powell may have had some discussions um, with Pearl that. Maybe he didn't like. Maybe his, his uh, family didn't like. Because evidently his family is a lot more, and as they should, I guess, to some degree, a lot more into how this whole process went down than, you know, anybody's given credit for. Like They definitely probably have had more of an impact in this whole cycle of leaving than I think even Powell did. But that's that's what that is. So I still like to say that there's a lot of impact that, him leaving just out the blue as he did had and people being riled up and like with all these you know offers in town and a lot of Auburn fans I guess somebody might be myself we see an offer sitting out like oh god oh god this talent god is giving us good I think we're still not necessarily used to getting the interest of stud guys so even that is just enough to kind of get us riled up you know a little bit of chubby um but that happens and then before any other commits occur Jamal Johnson leaves. And I think with all the offers that went out in between, I think the two weeks before, between Powell and and Jamal Johnson leaving, maybe even a week, um, I think people realize that the game is a game. And I don't think that Bruce saw enough in the back half of the death chart to say, okay, this is where I feel comfortable. And I think leaving lead up to this closure to the season I would say I would probably agree with that that conclusion I like Javon Franklin a lot and I guess we'll move on to just all the transfers that have moved out of period again speaking of optics not necessarily the reality yet I like Javon um, I like Javon Franklin a lot I think he was not used optimally I think that he was somebody that was very good slashing off the ball I think he was somebody that could hit an open shot off like a pick and pop or just like kind of drive and kick. Um, I think that Bruce didn't run many sets for him, if you know, really any. If you looked at averages, all games combined, um, he was a very, I mean, most of his values on defense. He had a really, really um, good sense of how to use his body. Um, probably the stoutest, either him or Flanagan, probably the stoutest 
player for their frame, I would say, on the team. Uh, was one of our really only wing defenders other than Flanagan, I feel like. I'm talking, well, cameras too. Uh, Jamal Johnson, I think. I think Jamal Johnson's best interactions on defense is when he could body someone more so than when someone's just faster than him. His foot speed isn't the greatest, but he, he you know, he tried to improve on things like that. His ankles and how he pursued guys that were faster uh, in his last season here. But I just, I just, I liked, I think Franklin was a good off the bench defensive guy. I think the way that Bruce sees things going, especially after getting um, Zip Japs here, I think he sees that there's enough defense between that new guy, Jabari Smith, JT Thor, Flanagan, um, even Jamal Thompson, you know, if you want to count him to the mouth. There's just enough defense to where you didn't need a guy who could only bring defense and couldn't give you, like, translatable uh, value on the other end. And you look at some of the guys they have interested in, in, in trying to get, such as Marion Jones, who's a very popular uh, fan favorite currently. It just, you know, the scholarship wasn't necessary, I suppose. And before I conclude this thing, I want to talk about Jamal Johnson a little bit. Big guy that earned a lot of love in, in the community for the love he put in the community, for the job he did when Cooper and Powell went out, uh, for taking the ball to flanging his hands a little bit more and helping him out, even matching by himself by subtracting those touches. Uh, people love Jamal Johnson. Uh, it, it's tough. You know, it, it's really tough. You, you look at everything and it's like, we, we have our backup point guard, but then Zepp Japser gets the interest. And you're like, okay, well, moving back to the two with power gone. But now looking at Myron Jones. Think about Trey Alexander, who, like, everybody's a fan favorite until they touch the campus. But Trey Alexander at least seems to have probably, I would say, far more offensive value, uh, at least in just that he's an, an elite creator. I think I think Jamal, his biggest thing offensively to me always was he just was not a very great dribbler. Um he became more decisive after he, I think he had the green light from Burrow, which is cool to see him grow and, you know, be able to show himself to whoever else was looking at those games. I guess now it's basically recruiting tape at this point. But his dribble was not, I think, on a point guard level. He just did not do enough, in my opinion, to earn that title. And even a shooting guard level, like an elite shooting guard, shot creating type of uh, handle, he did not have that either. Travis Inter appears, it appears to have a relatively speaking very good handle and um ability to get to his spots especially pretty much he like i think jamal the, the, the spots he seemed to like those um side i guess you would call them elbow the elbow mid-ranges uh the floaters the corner threes um i mean alexander appears to do all that very well also being able to get to his spots versus being kind of directed to his spots via the pass or whatever, the off-the-ball um, screen, yada, yada. And, I mean, it's a lot of value to be able to create for yourself. Like that That's really translatable even no matter who else is around you. So speaking to that, I think he just became extraneous. From what I understand, I don't like to speak to paywall site rumors too much because I can't account for myself. It's just what I hear from another party. Basically, middleman. He was pretty much told that he was not going to be a star on this team. I was, was told he pretty much thought he was going to be after whatever happened in the previous you know season and the departures and all that. I think that 
he was probably also told that a couple other guys be coming in, like pretty much guarantee our side commitments, which are a thing that a lot of people like. You don't know, people hear this and think, oh well, why would you base your decision around side commitment? A lot of decisions, roster management uh, wise, especially again in college basketball, you have so few scholarships, are based around solid commitments. Jalen Green had a solid commitment, and that affected Bruce Pearl's um, resource allocation during the tail end of that recruiting cycle because he thought he had a solid commitment. Um, it just, it's just something that happens. So I say all that to say that it's tough losing a glue guy, a leadership guy, literally the oldest, I think the oldest player on the team. Uh, a guy who showed so much towards the end of the season when we needed someone to step up. It, it it's, it's really, really tough. You know, it, I hate it. I wanted him to stay in some capacity because I felt like he showed enough to be kind of like a... Basically, uh, I think a... And this is... I don't mean this to be an ass or anything like that. I just, just how my perception of it is. Kind of like a poor man's version of what Powell was beginning of the season. Um, secondary shot creator... Uh, slash play, well, secondary playmaker, not shot creator, but secondary playmaker, and then you know a guy who's a good shooter. Um, his, his shot never was consistent as you'd wanted to be, and he didn't def- definitely didn't have the off the dribble game uh, shooting that Powell did. But that was the role I think he kind of wanted for him, and that role probably, honestly, God would have given him like maybe Matt's eight to ten minutes a game. Um, Travis didn't feasibly get about fifteen, sixteen. Uh, Zep Japs will probably get like north of 16, 17, maybe even the 20s. Uh, it's just going to be tough for anybody else to find minutes. You know, with Bruce, he doesn't run. If He runs a hot guy more often than not, and he runs the starters more often than not. So even when he has good options to not, you know, I mean, Javon was playing probably like, what, 12 minutes, maybe, maybe 12 uh, during that stretch he had during the NCAA tournament. Maybe. I mean, maybe a little bit more than the New Mexico State game we saved the day. But other than that, I mean, he wasn't playing that much. And he definitely wasn't handling the ball. So minutes sometimes go down to how much are you actually doing those minutes. And Jamal was not going to be doing a ton of those minutes. And he is one of – well, actually, I think he didn't earn some more positional versatility. You could probably run him at the one a little bit more than you could have before. Uh, but up until that, he was pretty much, I think, more restricted to the two while Zepp's – uh, appears to be able to play the one or the two and defend the one and two fairly well from what I'm hearing. And then Travis Zander kind of, I think he's sits, sits, maybe sits for one of the two. Uh, he appears to be somebody that can kind of do a little bit for you on all three um, positions. I think he's more of a sits for the, let me see real quick. Yeah, sits for, so probably more of a one and two, unless he has like a growth spurt. But it's going to be tough though, Jamal Johnson. I wish him the best. I wish Javon Franklin the best. Um, I think we'll have a couple more guys that glue dudes that we will miss. Um, I don't I don't know how much it means to Bruce. I I thought the glue role was more meant more to him than it did currently, and I'm not saying it's bad again. But if it doesn't matter to him as much as I thought, I think Chris Moore would be going. I, the only reason I think Stretch will stay is because they, they may not be able to find another center. This appears to be more of a point guard um, transfer market right now. Well, not even point guard, but just guard market, guard slash wing. And they might not be able to find a suitable body for Stretch, but with how many four options they have, Thor, Jalen sometimes, Jabbar, excuse me, even Cambridge occasionally, 
it, it just doesn't make sense to have Chris Moore. Uh, he probably will be getting at max like five minutes, six minutes. Even six minutes would probably be too much. But maybe like four minutes, three minutes. Just like spot minutes. Some other guys are in foul trouble. And you need somebody like that. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't see. I I I don't I don't see. Bruce is going to tell somebody like if you're here or you're not here, or you're going to be getting minutes, you're not going to get minutes. So I I just don't know how you receive that knowledge and be like, okay, well, let me stay anyway. I mean, even Javon Franklin wouldn't. Uh, I just don't I just don't see him returning. I would I would prefer Stretch to be. You know, not to be ass, but he's showing. I, I like Stretch. I think Stretch is probably the ultimate glue guy out of all the guys that were that role. But Stretch is like absolutely like non-functional as an offensive player, and I, I just don't know how you. I don't know how you retain that and put down scholarship when you have if you have any other options. I don't see him being returned. But time to move on. So that was optics. Let's speak to the reality of the situation. I kind of did a little bit, a little bit of that here, but I'm going to be more concise going forward and try to look at more of a roster management perspective and maybe some minutes too. All right, let's get back to the grind, dog. All right, so this is going to be more concise. I mean, I don't want this to be a 30-minute podcast. I really don't. But I talk about Auburn basketball. I'm just so compassionate, you know? Also, my math drives out pretty quickly, so I can't talk forever. Anyway, so I'm looking at the, the roster pulled up. And here's what it looks like as far as scholarship athletes go. Actually, I gotta say something. So Chase Monsdorp, who is one of the walk-on dudes, from Lakewood Ranch, Florida, which I don't know where that's at. School, the out-of-door if you look at Chase Mossdorf, that makes about sense. But I'm not making fun of any of the bench guys. If you, or not the bench guys, walk on dudes. If you've gone to the wreck, like if you were a student athlete and you've gone to the wreck, um, those bench or wreck dudes be hooping. Not wreck. God, I'm an idiot. Those walk on dudes be hooping. Uh, one of the walk on dudes, like, pretty much got his start, from what I understand, as a wreck player. Like, he was just tall as hell, but, like, I, I can't. I don't, it's, I think it's this guy, but I'm not going to, he might have been on the last year's team, he might have graduated, I'm not sure, but I think it's this dude, but anyway, either way, so for some reason, Auburn lists all guards the same, all fours the same, all centers the same, it's kind of annoying, but it is what it is, so scholarship athletes, Devin Cambridge, guard, Justin Powell, well, Alan Flanagan, guard, <laughs> uh, Preston Cook is not a scholarship athlete, but I feel like he could be. Uh, Sharif Cooper, so that's three guards now, and three scholarship players. Uh, currently, Sharif Cooper is still on this team. Jalen Williams, that's four. JT Thor, that's five. Chris Morris, six. And we're not getting to fours. Uh, Dylan Cardwell, that's seven. And Bob Antonio Akinbola, that's eight. So one, just to go back. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, Eight scholarship athletes. And then of that, three are quote unquote guards, three are quote unquote fours, and two are centers. I don't know how many scholarships Auburn has to play with. I'm looking at this, uh, shout out to AUFamily.com. Uh, 
pretty good resource for seeing Auburn stuff. Even though they kind of hate me. I don't know. But what can you do? Um, so they have five scholarships available. And they expect to take between four to six based on, like, different people on this platform that, that speak. So eight. I think I think you can get to, to 13, I want to say. I think it's the kind of range they want to get to is 13. Um, Jabari. Trey Alexander. Zep Jasper. So they have five spots. They have three commitments now. The most popular, I think, guy amongst fans and probably, I would imagine, maybe being recruited would be former Auburn player or former Auburn um, pursue or pursuit. Myron Jones. Now, I don't think Myron Jones is somebody that Auburn played for or Alabama very heavily, but I think they like kind of threw, you know, um, a flyer out there for him. And I don't think he pursued very much. And that's kind of why he got out there to uh, Penn State. But I think he's somebody uh, uh, kind of three and uh, kind of D, kind of D, a little bit of D, mainly three and like, he's not really even just a three, but he also like can create also as well. And he can play the two and the three feasibly well. So he has a lot of value in that and being a Franklin upgrade, I would imagine. And then you also have, for what this place is saying, there's not really in the way of power forward or big pursue, uh, pursuits. So I don't think there's a high chance that um, they look for another big. So I would imagine if they get Myron Jones, he'd probably be more of a three. And then a guy that I want them to go for that they have kind of put more and less stock into, depending on what moment you looked into it, but I think they've put a lot less stock into him as time has progressed. Um, Wesley Cardet appears to be another 3 and D. If he came to Auburn, I would think another guy in that, that vein of um, uh, Flanagan and um, and Okoro being a, a 2 slash 3 that has a really high ceiling and a very, at least offensively speaking, a very low floor. Um, but I, from what I've seen Wesley Cardet, uh, as of, I think, believe four or five months ago, he really has put a lot of stock, a lot of stock into becoming more of a facilitator, being more of able to play a point guard role, being just a bigger body point guard. You always get defending point guard, so that's not really, you know, much of a risk playing him at that position. Um, I really like the kid. You know, I don't mean to call people kids. Like, you know, probably like, you know, actually, I'm about to be like almost like what four or five years older than this kid god i hate being older but i'd rather be older than, than live and older and in a casket so shout out to god um yeah what's the card i i like him i i think that the only thing about having another combo guard and i, he, I know he can probably defend threes feasibly well even though he's very skinny at this very moment um you, when you have too many combo guards it's like you're gonna have probably a period of time before you have like, let's say, let's say we get this kid and Marion. You'll probably have a moment where it'd be like, Zep Jasper, him, or Alexander, and then you'd have like Marion, Marion. You'd have like three guys who are smart players, like probably decent facilitators, but it's like, who's the 
who was the lead guard. And I only say it because this guy's system, Bruce Brown's system, revolves so much around a lead guard being that ball-dominant player. Now, if he can adjust it to where it's less freelance and more systemized and, like, guys are just, you know, passing up uh, okay shots and okay opportunities to go to the rim or whatever and isolate to get to another guy, secondary, ter- tertiary creator, a la kind of like Golden State a couple years back where Iguodala was a good uh, dribbler and, you know, decider with the ball and Draymond obviously is Draymond with it. Um... That would be amazing. I mean, you could probably get a lot of really quality shots for the four and the five, no matter who they are, um, in that system. But I just don't, I just don't see Bruce Pearl being that equal opportunity. I would like to see it. I mean, it'd be cool. I mean, you you offer this many very s- smart passers, you kind of hope that's the end result. But we'll see. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put my foot in my mouth here. I'm not gonna have any hard commitments. We'll just see how it goes. In reality, I think right now, if you say we get Myron Jones and Zap Jack, not Zap Jackson, Wesley Cardet to close out recruiting, so you have Wesley Cardet, or I forgot to mention this as a possibility, Scoot Henderson reclassifies. I think you want Miriam regardless, but I think the last scholarship is probably between um, Cardet or Scoot. I think they're probably slow playing pretty much everybody to see what happens with Scoot. Because if Scoot reclassifies, you get two years because of his age. So it doesn't really hurt you to have him out there. And people say he would still be pretty much like a, a top-tier recruit if he reclassified in this uh, cycle. So I think that they're holding out hope for that, but we'll see how that goes. Um, but let's, let's operate on the idea that Scoot is being safe for next year for whatever reason. He just doesn't want to operate. He doesn't want to transfer this year. Let's just go on that premise. So we're talking Sharif Cooper, Zip Jasper. We're talking... As of this moment, because Powell and Johnson are gone, I would think the lead two guards currently Flanagan. And his back would probably be Trey Alexander with Miriam Jones being the backup for Devin Cameron at the small forward position. Um, Power forward probably be, well, no, I would say you put Jabari Smith at the three and you have Devin Cambridge come back at the, the backup three. And you have Miriam Jones kind of operate kind of like a quasi two and three. Like he's he's like a, if you talk about Arvin's depth chart when it comes to spring games uh under Gus, he's an or. Like he's or he's either or two or three. He's not really restricted. Um and like I said, most of the guys really won't be. Uh for I would think JT Thor with um Kind of like you just stagger Jabari's minutes and put him in that backup, or you, I guess, quote unquote, the backup four will be um, that uh, Chris Moore. But just because you, I don't think you, people's mind like blows up. You say, okay, well, we have Jabari as starter, but we also have as a backup four. So just just make it simple. Chris Moore gets to be the the in paper backup four, and then I think your five, your initial five, and this I think it's gonna be a little bit different this time around than last season. I think, well, I guess this season. Uh, our season's done, so let's just say last season. I think Jalen Williams would be the starting five. I get probably like, you know, a good handful of minutes at that five. But he would be the first. If 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 JT is the first to come off the court, I think he'll be the first to move down to the four. And then I'll have Cambridge come in at the five. Not Cambridge. Um, Cardwell come to the five. 
I don't think he'll be playing a ton of five minutes. I think it'll just be just, you know, for the sake of this way the system works. Um, but he, he's a good spacer. He's a good creator. He survives against uh, matchups that are bigger than him at the five. Not thrives, but survives. Uh, so I like, I, you know, I like that idea. I like the idea of Sharif, Flan, Cambridge, JT, uh, Cambridge, uh, Jabari, JT, Jalen. That that would be my, I think, idol five of this very moment. And yeah, I mean, you got a legitimate, like, what, six good players behind those guys? I mean, if Stretch can be, like, not bad at offense, I mean, you have a legitimate six good players behind those five people. That's 11 deep. And I think that's what we wanted, wanted this season was 11 deep. And I, I think our 11 deep is more talented. I think I was a guy, and I know we didn't win anything last year, so maybe it's not fair to say this, but I, I liken it to the Lakers situation where the Lakers had a championship team that won a championship. That team would end up being pretty deep, but they might've gotten deeper. <laughs> they might've they might gotten deeper than they were in the previous season. Uh, now chemistry and, and health is being worked out and maybe that, you know, injuries and age will work it out to where they end up not being a better roster. But as far as like you look at the skill sets on that Lakers team, you look at the skill sets on this team right now, this team is more varied than if, if everything works out right. This team is more varied than the team that came before it. And that's going to be really interesting. So I tell guys this and I'm leaving out on this. Is intangible or intangibles important? Is glue important? A first grade teacher would say yes. A first grade kid would say yes. But is glue important in a basketball locker room? Yes, it is. It's very important. Experience matters a lot. Experience against certain matchups matters a lot. That's the difference between, I think, if you say like 2015 Auburn, 2016 Auburn, or 2016 Auburn, 2017 Auburn, a lot, I mean, you're to the same roster, just development. You know, maturity, knowing matchups, knowing your stuff a little bit better, expanding your game, all intangible stuff that ended up working out for those dudes. And you need a lot of that to happen here for a lot of guys at the ground running. Zeb Jasper did not play against real competition 99% of the games he played, at least in, in probably relative to his own talent versus, at, versus where he'll play here, where a lot of guys are going to be even more talented than he is. Myron Jones played the best conference in sports, maybe. Myron Jones doesn't know um, how to is to play against the pace of of Nate Oates' offense. He doesn't know how to play against the zone of Ole Miss. Um, it's just it's just things like that that go into this stuff. Uh, who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Um, I mean, high school athletes coming in. I mean, they don't, they just don't know. I mean. You can be an amazing high school athlete. I mean, I, I think most people consider Okoro an amazing high school athlete, but he didn't feel offensively comfortable until... I mean, he had like a really really solid offensive uh, OOC uh, start, out of conference start, but he had a really dry stretch offensively. Trumo Kiki didn't end up being a really good offensive player until like the back half of his second year. You just never know when the light's going to turn on to where talent turns into productivity. So I, I, I mean, guys have that... Us, us guys with the temporary expectations about like how quickly this ends up being, you know, 2015 Kentucky or whatever people are wanting out of this this team. It's going to be uh, every step matters, you know. It's not going to be just 30 sets on one or 38 on one. It's, it's, 
it's a process. It's a process. But that's all I have to say today. Um, I'm, this went longer than I thought it was going to be. Uh, I had a lot to say. I hope this is my last podcast about Auburn basketball until like we start getting to more, you know, of a concrete area to where we know what the roster is. We know the rest of the conference. You know, maybe like August or something like that. You know, I'll come back to this. But for now, I think this is where I want to end this at. Really good time to be Auburn fan. Um, football it looks very exciting. I'm not putting too much stock into it because I don't want to be disappointed and I really don't think that we're in a position with how much I don't dislike what I don't dislike Gus but with how much damage was done the past couple of cycles it's going to take a little bit to unwind some things and um but we look good uh NFL prospects look solid um it's a good time to be Auburn fan Warrior, we'll see you guys later